Welcome to Artist to Artist. Today we're talking to Bryant Shaw and Vanessa Bird of Halisi, Africa in Railroad Square. Halisi, Africa has an incredible collection of authentic African apparel, jewelry, art, and delicious food. Let's get right to talking with Bryant and Vanessa. All right, Brian, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate being here today. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, I tell you, and this is like, it's like I mentioned, we were, we were talking before the podcast, the first time I've actually been in Khaleesi, Africa, like, uh, you know, and I think you guys have one of the most beautiful stores in Railroad Square. Thank you. you know? Thank you so much. You know, with all due respect to my Railroad Square neighbors, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I, I love the, the, the decor just flows and it's inviting and it's beautiful, and the products here are beautiful. I'm, I, mean, I was, you know, before we talked, I was going around just admiring the clothing and everything. Thank so you so much. Yeah. I think, I think, I love colorful things. If you've seen my art, you know, like, uh, I do lots of purples and rich colors and stuff. So I'm like, wow, this is, this is great. I got to get like, you know, the names of each one of these colors in here. So, you know. <laughs> but uh, so cool. So how? Um, let's talk about your 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 place here. How long has Halisi Africa been in Railroad Square? Um, let's see. Well, actually, Halisi Africa in Railroad Square. Technically, about a year and a half. Okay. But this specific location, the the one we're getting so many compliments on, we actually didn't move into until September of last year. So okay, 2019. So we're going on a, about a year and a month. Great. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I'm the I'm the newbie. So uh, yeah, I, I I came in here in December, and then the pandemic hit. So I oh, haven't been right. able to. So like I was getting to meet people and stuff, and then it was everyone was like going into isolation stuff. Right. So so I'm the new guy on the block. But it's great. It's great to. It's great to formerly be in the store and, and, and chatting although we've talked and we've cut you know we've, yeah yeah you know we've uh conspired on things before in the square and everything yeah. so welcome yeah yeah um one of the things that uh that that, that uh kind of came to my mind is that all these materials and things you have all the products you hear are authentic right yes how do you um, so how do you source them? How do you find the vendors? How do you get with them and get and get the stuff you know directly from? And these are and these are from you know artisans uh, that make them by hand. How do you how do you make those contacts? Um, painstakingly, yeah. <laughs> clearly. Um, honestly, I, I lived abroad um, in in Tanzania, um, Senegal, and and you know North Africa for um, some years. Um, and during that time, I just got the opportunity to to meet people. And to set up some of our base contacts, those are the people who are sending us uh, sending us supply pretty much monthly, and a lot of the products that we get that are um, that are you know coming straight out of Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, those products are through people I met and had the opportunity to to kind of connect with, um, and they're producers in Tanzania already. So um, you know it's a really good relationship in regards to okay, well I've got stuff available. I need to have stuff in my store. In America, they're excited about getting that exposure, yeah. and um, and then you know we just kind of discuss a way we can get it shipped and organized. We also have some products that my mom brought in through, through consignment. Um, these are arrangements that uh, were a little, they're pretty or pretty difficult to organize, um, as you can imagine. They're in you know whatever country. Uh, in this case, Uganda is the one that comes to mind, uh -huh. and um, and she had to pretty much appeal to this artist in regards to how it could benefit her to have her pieces in our store. Right. Um, and before that, there was research and finding this artist and then what's a good relationship and how can we do consignment. And all that was kind of put together. Um, I can only describe it as painstakingly. It was really yeah. something that we, we, we were passionate about. We wanted to do it. And so um, 
And so we, we kind of just found those people who could, you know, who could help fill, fill the shoes and help us have regular supply. Uh, that's, you know, a lot of artists listen, listen to a, a lot. We have a, mm-hmm. <laughs> it hasn't have a huge following yet, but I know artists do listen to the podcast. Uh-huh. And so there's a lot of information they, they glean from that. For me as an artist, I struggle with how to do international shipping. Right. You know? Right. So you guys have things coming in, but do you have things going out also internationally? Um, and, 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 and how do you do, how do you work that international shipping? How do you, how do you make that efficient? Uh, it's still, it's still a process. Uh, we're improving regularly. We've found ways to, um, work with, you know, companies here in the United States. We don't do much exporting out. Mm-hmm. We mostly get things here. Um, so we will, you know, work with someone on the ground. Fortunately, like I said, I was living in, in these places so I could on the ground say, oh, Let's go to, we'll go check out this resource, check out this resource, start with a small package and see how long it took to get to the States and, um, you know, how that process went. Uh, we also had some instances where we would find travelers in the countries that we were in and have them take it for us and then ship it from within the States. So we've gone, we've gotten really creative in yeah. regards to getting, uh, making sure that we get supply. But, um, but honestly, Interestingly enough, uh, most a lot of countries, especially I mean all throughout Africa, but I, I imagine throughout the world, you know, they rely on um, America as one of those as that market. You know, mm-hmm. whether it be through tourism or via products and shipping their products. And so, um, as COVID sort of hit a turn, and other countries were adapting to it, they when they opened back up doing shipment shipping and whatnot, we kind of saw a different side to it and another way that we could go about it. Um, and honestly, it's it's that's been more efficient. It's yeah. been it, to me, it's been very efficient since um, since countries have opened back up and started allowing shipping again. We've seen okay, this this is possible. This is doable. It really is just a matter of having somebody on the ground out there who can do the little stuff to kind of make those connections and find out what's the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what brought you to to Tanzania and 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 these in these countries in, in Africa? Was it family, work, a little bit of both, or um, honestly, uh, a personal journey, <laughs> to be completely honest. Um, I like to describe it as an independent study. Um, I finished my, my bachelor's in uh, University of Houston, and it was in um, uh, public relations and political science. And after that, I, I decided I wanted, one of my last classes was in foreign affairs. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I liked learning about other countries, and I, I had done uh, a study abroad I think at this point I had already done one study abroad. And so I was already really intrigued and uh, at the opportunities to go abroad. Um, and I, so I, I looked into uh, Peace Corps. I looked into some scholarships and opportunities to study more. Um, and in the end, I, I pretty much just reached back out to the organization that I had already done a study abroad with and asked them, do you need interns? Are there opportunities to do more? You know, mm-hmm. um, and they, they were like, heck yeah, you know, if you will pay your own expenses, to be out here, we will um, we'll, we'll give you stuff to do. We can have you know internship and help you set up to, to get a job. And so um, after uh, six months of living in Spain, I um, took some classes in teaching English, and uh, that kept me uh, occupied and, and employed um, for the rest of the time. I was abroad for about four years, and um, during that time, I would just every couple of months travel somewhere new. Uh, Morocco, Senegal, Tunisia, Egypt, um, down to to Tanzania. Tanzania, the first time I visited, I loved it. I was just, I, I was, I was 
I can't even describe it. I was enchanted by it. Um, I really loved it. And so uh, we went from Tanzania to Kenya and then to Ethiopia. We liked all three. But the, that same month when I went back to, to Spain, I decided I wanted to live in Tanzania. And so I flew right back. Um, didn't turn back, you know. Stayed yeah. there for a year and a half. My plan was never to come back to the States, actually. But um, once the business started going, uh, my family had already organized a lot of this already on the, on uh, here in the States. I felt compelled to at least see it in person. Um, that was in November of last year. And uh, so I came to, to see everything. And pretty much that's all she wrote. That was the end of the story. Uh, I, I mean, I've been here for now a year. I'm thinking about maybe going back or um, we're also thinking of expanding. So it really just depends. I don't know what the future holds. But yeah, that, that's pretty much how I ended up in, uh, in Tanzania and all those areas. Well, I would say that the future seems bright. You are so much more well-traveled than me. <laughs> I appreciate it. I've been to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Canada's <laughs> nice. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's where my family comes from is Canada. Is, oh, nice. And uh, so I got, so I know it, how cool it is, at least in that aspect, to uh -huh. go visit some place that's not the United States. Yeah. And to be immersed in that culture, because up in up in Newfoundland is where is where most of my family is, nice, you know, yeah, or most of my extended family. So you go up there, and I was immediately embraced, and uh -huh. you know, so it's like I'd like to go again, but it's you know, it's one of those things that's just like not right now, it's just not possible. Right. But I think that's fascinating though that you have touched so many international venues, and you've and you've become so uh, immersed in learning about uh -huh. all of them. It's it, it obviously translates here, and, and one of the questions I had actually. Uh -huh was a lot of people are very, I think, I, could, I, I would assume that a lot of people are very ignorant about um, the, the diversity of African right. cultures on the continent. There right, are right. so many different countries there. Right. And, right. and no doubt that a lot of the clothing and the art uh -huh. and it, it is also quite different, I would say, in some ways. What are some of the, what are some of the uh, diversifications of... Uh, of attire and jewelry and some of the other things that you guys sell here, uh -huh. how does that reflect the different cultures within Africa itself? Well, um, I think you, you definitely hit it on the head in terms of Africa is extremely diverse. We're talking about 54 countries. Um, in Tanzania specifically, there's 130 plus tribes in just Tanzania. Wow. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're talking about a lot of diversity. Um, some of the things that we've really tried to sort of hit on would be uh, sort of regional, mm -hmm. um, regional characteristics. So, um, for example, North Africa uh, is, uh, has a lot of Arabic, in, uh, what do you call it, Arabic um, influence, mm -hmm. right? Um, so we'll try to focus on that sort of embroidery style that, that, that is um, signature for, for, especially Morocco to Egypt, pretty much all the North Africa, they really love embroidery um, and simple designs. Um, same thing is true for East Africa. And East Africa is where you're going to see a lot of the beadwork. The Maasai tribe is a very large tribe. It's one of the few tribes that was never colonized or was never, you know, uh, uh, captured, or, you know. Um, and so they are uh, still very uh, entrenched in their own culture. If you actually, it's very interesting. If you go to the Serengeti, Maasai is one of the larger tribes that people know about. If you ever go to um, East Africa and Serengeti, uh, Kilimanjaro, their tribes are still there. Their original camps are still there. They're nomadic, mm -hmm. so they will take, you know, pick up and eventually move and go around. But their original traditions are still there. One of the things they really do that they're known for worldwide is their beadwork. Huh. Um, so a lot of the jewelry that you'll see here is uh, Maasai beadwork. Um, the uh, kind of moving on to West Africa, 
Um, a lot of the things that you see in West Africa are very modern. They're really up to uh, up on uh, what the Western world is doing. And so um, we get a lot of some some jean things from there occasionally. Um, we'll get uh, like purses or um, jewelry, especially uh, other types of jewelry. I mean, instead of beadwork, it might be wooden or it might be uh, uh, like a, a charm or something like that. Um, so that's kind of how we go about it in terms of from country to country. We really try to find things that are uh, really representative mm -hmm. of that entire region as best we can. And then if we can, we dig in further, you know, dig in deeper and really try to get, you know, um, something specific from this tribe. Or like I said, you know, I mentioned the Maasai earlier. There's a tribe that their stuff is actually behind the register over here. It's called Tuareg. Huh. Um, and they are a well-known tribe in uh, North Africa. But they're more centralized in terms of the Sahara region. Um, and they are also not nomadic. And they create a lot of uh, leather goods. So um, we just got, I mean, completely fortunate um, to find some of their stuff. Actually, th that's an example of one of their pieces right there, uh -huh. just pointing it out to you. And it's, um, it's different. It's 100% it's, it's you know, leather, but the art that they draw on it and the use, even the use for it to us is like, oh my gosh, this is so authentic. This is, you know, we have to have this, even if it's just for decor. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of our, our process in regards to how do we find these pieces. Uh, I could go on all day. I mean, like I said, there's so many tribes, but um, in Cameroon, there's a popular fabric called, uh, called uh, Bamilike. And we try to find that and sort and, and have it sent here and maybe get something made out of it. And um, another thing in East Africa, they have a fabric called conga, which always has a Swahili proverb on the bottom. Wow. So um, you can get that fabric, have maybe a shirt or something like that made to take that proverb and put it on the side or somewhere so it shows up. These are things that just little um, little touches we try to add and to increase the improve, you know, really d demonstrate the authenticity of the, the pieces and to increase our, upon our own knowledge. That's so, fascinating. I'm going to start calling you professor. <laughs> I no, I mean, your knowledge is, is incredible. And really, I feel like, you know, I feel like there's going to be a test after this. But <laughs> no, but I mean, that's really, I mean, and people don't know that. Right. People right. just don't know. They, you know, you know, Americans are caught up in our own little thing and they don't right. pay attention, you know. I think that's fascinating. I mean, I'm really, I'm just getting schooled here. Uh, Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. Um, so... When you were when you were over in Africa and you're going to the different countries, uh -huh. how did you uh, did you have to learn like multiple languages? Yeah. <laughs> so how many languages do you speak? Um, fluently, I only speak three three languages fluently. Um, English is of course my native language. Uh, Spanish I learned while I was living in Spain. Um, Swahili is uh, my third fluent language. Um, while I was in Senegal and Morocco, I learned French. My French is not is not fluent because I only stayed in those countries for a couple of months, three four months. Um, so my my French is more like converse, you know, beginning of conversation. I can definitely purchase something. I can get directions. I can order pastries. Exactly, hundred <laughs> percent. Right. I can go there and and, and you know, yeah. honestly, as a tourist, I can go there and enjoy and um, have this ability. This is a uh, my, my mom always talks about it, but it it's a uh, ability to pick up accents. Oh, so wow. people usually when I go to these countries, I can quickly kind of catch on the way that they're talking mm -hmm. and I can fit into society without anyone immediately noticing that I'm not from there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so it really helps when when traveling around. But um, but truthfully, most of Africa outside of English, French, 
and Arabic. I speak uh, intermediate Arabic as well. Um, they 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 may speak an indigenous language, but a lot of times people will speak one of the, the main languages. Um, so in, in Senegal, for example, in Senegal and Morocco, um, I would switch between uh, French and English or French and a little bit of Arabic. Wow. Um, same thing is true for uh, Tanzania. They speak very good English, uh, but Swahili is the more uh, the local language. So I was there for about a year and a half. I had the opportunity to really learn it and practice it with, uh, with you know, with locals. My fiance is also in Tanzania, um, and so I speak with her regularly in, in Swahili as well. And then uh, in Egypt and other countries in North Africa, you have to practice uh, speak Arabic regularly. I didn't stay there long enough to be to be fluent in it, but I can read and write it. That's really cool. Um, I speak English. <laughs> <laughs> um, if um, I don't know if people have he have heard Swahili before, would you uh -huh. be willing to say something in Swahili like "Welcome to Hawisi Africa" or whatever? Okay. What's it, what's that language sound like? Uh, okay, Indio na wezo kuongea kiswahili kidogo karibu sana halisi. <laughs> That's how you say welcome to Halisi. Wow. Um, Swahili is a very, uh, what are they, it has a lot of alliteration. It actually sort of, it doesn't really rhyme, but it flows. It has a rhythm to it. So um, it's, it's actually the way that they design the language where the subject and the, the object have to match, mm -hmm. uh, or the subject and adjective have to match, and the way they do it instead of, and like in Spanish, you would say, uh, if it ends with an A, the next word needs to end with an A. In Swahili, it goes the opposite. If it's uh, if it begins with a M, the next word needs to begin with an M. Huh. So um, I may say uh, M to Mzuri. That's a good person. But uh -huh. both words have to start with M to, which is person. M to doesn't change. And then Mzuri uh, is good. Zuri by itself is good. But M means I'm referring to the person. So M to Mzuri. And that's how it, so many words like that. It, in a while, after a while, it starts to sound like like a song. A lot of people, when they hear me speaking Swahili, they're like, "What are you rapping or something? Like, what's yeah. going on?" But um, but no, that's just the way the conversation goes. So yeah, it's a really flowy language. I like the way it sounds. That brings me back to a, a course that I had in college. Yeah. Um, that I think it was world history, um, but we spent a lot of time on talking about um, Africa. Uh -huh. And the professor in there said that a lot of African languages are actually very poetic. Right. And it's the fact that you may actually read a newspaper, and it may have a poetic flow to it. Uh huh. You know. Yes, so that's really cool to see that. You know, that's thirty years ago, but to come back around and have somebody who's been there, just yeah. to you know, and to, and to give a sample of it is just it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> my, by the way, my son would love talking with you. Because he loves languages. Oh, yeah. He loves, I mean, he's, I thought he was probably going to get into li linguistics. The kid is like, when he was about 11 years old, he started teaching himself Russian. Wow. You know, and he's also, uh, he was uh, looking at Chinese. and so, Now, in middle uh -huh. school, they don't have those classes, so it's kind of like he would just kind of be on his own. Uh -huh. The funny part, though, is like he was getting to where he could speak some Russian words. Uh -huh. But now I think I got like a little Soviet running around the house because, <laughs> be, because he'll speak in like a Soviet accent, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes, so, that's but he loves languages, and right now, currently, he's getting into computer programming, which, okay. which, which is kind of like he, he's getting that language aspect, you uh, know. But he, but he's getting into programming, so I'm like, hey, go with it, you know. It's, right. So wherever direction he goes, but I can see him circling back though, because he wanted. I mean, he wanted to learn every language there was. I mean, I mean, and, and you know, African language. He'll tell yeah. you, like, he, he'll, you know, he can't, he can't school you. You know, uh, but, but he'll tell you, like, the, all these different languages and. 
you know, from Africa and all this other stuff. And, and there's also, there's another, there's an international language. I, I forget what it is, Esperanza. Uh-huh, that's it. He was, he wanted to learn Esperanza. And, uh. and, and, and he'd quiz me. We'd go for walks. And he'd be like, okay, how do you say so-and-so in Esperanza? I'm like, kid, I don't know how to right? say it. You know? <laughs> you know, I'm 50 years old. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to learn how to use the, the smart TV. But Well, I don't, I don't want to get off subject, but I, it's funny. While I was living in Europe, I did learn a little bit of Esperanza. It's really not that international. A lot of people say it is. It's not that it's not spoken outside of people who want to learn Esperanza. Right. That's it, right? But it is available on Duolingo. Um, but I had the same thing. I was I was not at a young age, but especially once I got into uh, as an adult and started learning about other countries, it really started to fascinate me. The other languages, um, Spanish was just like I gotta learn this. I have no excuse. I need to learn this. And then yeah. after picking that up, I realized that languages were such. It, it's it's a code. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting that he got into programming because it's it is a code. It breaks down. It makes sense mm -hmm. after once you learn how, how it works and what you're trying to do with it, yeah. it's really easy to figure out, okay, this is what's going on. I've gotten to the point where I can hear conversations that I don't truly understand the language, and I can start to pick up from context clues what's being discussed. Wow. But it's because the languages do all work the same way in that sense. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to no, get That's cool, because <laughs> I, I, I can see that with him. He's like I said, the kid is... Uh, he's smart, so yeah, I'll have to I'll have to bring him by, you know. Um, Love it. Yeah, he's gone from like he loves art to like now he's thirteen and he's too cool for everybody. So, but I'll have to I'll say, hey man, if you want to actually hear Swahili for real, yeah. a real person talking about it, come by. You Local, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we so, might be out there can get on the phone and have a full conversation. Yeah, he can be. He's like I said, he can be thirteen and really aloof. So we'll, you know. We'll, um, so you guys, but. As as a uh, as a business here in Railroad Square, you're ex you're extremely involved with your community. You know, like one of the things that we worked on that we had mentioned earlier is we did the Labor Day treasure hunt. Yeah. You guys took it upon yourselves. I mean, I see it as a way to help your fellow businesses. Right. I mean, you guys just went and you and you did that, and you're still and you're still doing things to help your community. And there's this new uh, thing coming up November first, so it's like, so it's right around the corner, and it's called Rejuvenation, mm -hmm. uh, and it's and it's about uh, mental health and wellness. Can you tell me about about that? So honestly, I'm gonna pass the bike over to my mom now. She's definitely organizing this event. I think it's gonna be really good. It's gonna be a big hit. But I want her to talk and tell about it. Hi, Bryant's mom. <laughs> yeah. So this tell is uh, the owner of Vanessa Bird. Hi, Vanessa. Uh, thank you for being here. And so tell me all about. By the way, beautiful shop. I'm loving it. Thank I just hang, I'll hang out all the time, and you guys can you know I'm gonna eat your food too and everything. So. <laughs> um, tell me about rejuvenation because this is something that's very personally important to me. So. Um, so, um, like Brian was saying, we have a lot of uh, vendors also that are local mm -hmm. um, that we work with. Mo mostly they are from Africa, but we have a lot. We're, we're reaching out to local vendors as well. So, this is one of the local vendors. Uh, their company is called the Ginger Tea Company. Okay. And uh, actually, we just started carrying their brand. We love it. It's just a really well put together brand. And the owner has a lot of knowledge that she brings to it. So um, I, my grandmother was an herbalist, and so I've always been interested in herbs and oils and just all of that kind of stuff. And so once she and I sat down and talked, I was like, yeah, we'd love to carry your product. Um, and so her interest, in, other than selling the product, is actually talking about it. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do this Sunday is she's going to have some samples and we're just going to come out and talk about uh, wellness, talk about detox, because she has some detox teas, talk about um, mental health, and just kind of, what we call it, kind of fall into fall with um, some new 
rejuvenating ideas and things that you can do for yourself, for your for your body, for your mind, um, and, and just kind of spiritually as well. So when we plan it to be conversations, I mean, we yeah. I, I'm a professor, she's um, an educator as well, and so we want it to be something where people can just talk and we can all just kind of bring our ideas and our thoughts to the forefront. But we, it's centered around the tea, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. And now I gotta bring my wife by because she loves tea. Yeah, it's a, it's gonna be <laughs> yeah. from five to seven. Um, the cover is ten dollars. The cover, but the cover also includes the tea and the tea tasting and, and yeah. stuff. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And um, hopefully we'll have. I'm working on a really yummy African-inspired dessert that will have uh, maybe some cookies or some scones or something like that to go with it. And uh, we just plan on having a good time talking and enjoying, you know little bit of socialization we're going to limit it of course yeah. to only i think our limit is 12. uh yeah 12 people so as you can see from looking around that's about what we have that you can sit nicely social distance yeah it will be masks and so on in right. effect but um uh-huh. we plan on having a good time and it's part of a series so we're not planning on this to be one thing we expect to be able to do something continuously uh-huh. um that brings people together and, and We'll focus it on on mental health and wellness and and detox and spirituality. That's that's great. I want to add to that. This is actually something we've been trying to organize for a while, um, especially in regards to mental health and and just wellness in general. The herbs is something that we we wanted to talk about. Um, But with COVID in general, a lot of us are trapped inside, um, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, self-quarantine. And um, we're trying to find new ways to uh, entertain ourselves but also to, to be healthy. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I think that uh, the, the benefit to this sort of event is it's a social, it's a, a responsible way to be social. So already that's helping with I mean, potentially depression and issues of just isolation, right? Um, but then the knowledge that they bring in, and honestly, I only got a chance to meet him for a second. What was her name again? I'm sorry? Chris. Chris? Um, I only got a chance to meet her and they went on their own thing just discussing herbs. And I'm sitting there like, I have no clue, but I'm fascinated, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that people who are getting into um, that sort of um, being healthy and, and self, self-healthy, self right? Um, doing it at home and finding a way to to bring those herbs to the table and regularly uh, ingest and, and bring the, you know, and improve their body. Um, I think that they'll they'll really get a lot of information from this, more so than than just uh, coming by, getting the tea, and reading the information that's on the card. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, actually, your mom always talks about. The cards have so much information on them. When yeah. you, if, you, if you see the product, it has so much information on it that it's something you would almost sit down and read. Right. And so we were like, oh, man, we need a whole thing about this. You need, we need to actually explain what are the benefits of these herbs and the things that are growing, on, growing literally outside, you know? Yeah. We also um, have um, some products as well. Uh, aside from the teas, we do... We have some um, black soap, we have liquid black soap, and those are infused with other things that help. Um, we've got repeat customers to come back for the black soap, for the shea butter, and those things that are really good for your skin. And so um, we've started looking at those and getting in, and kind of venturing more into detox with those. So we have a black soap and clay, for example, um, soap that is meant to draw out impurities and all that so we're really focusing in more on just healthy ways you can do this at home mm-hmm. and kind of detox your whole body mm-hmm. um as far and as well our food that we serve is 
as much as possible it's organic mm-hmm. it's fresh um, we try to use um, natural ingredients we try to use uh, local ingredients and infuse them with the spices from all around different places in Africa everything has an African influence right, in it. Right. but um, pretty much everything is going to be organic non-gmo we have a vegan offering uh, more than one vegan offering actually vegetarian offering obviously um, and then it's even our like our salmon is wild caught and you know so we really um, it's something I've always been into mm-hmm. yeah. anyway so it's sort of I think I, I, I joke around with my son that I'm probably I'm like the healthy cook because I've always been into anything health anyway yeah. and so it just reflects it's reflected in the cooking and the food that we have. That sounds that sounds great. It's it, well. Yeah, I talk about my kid earlier. He loves cooking also. Oh, so, nice. <laughs> I know, so it, it, you know, if I can get him here, he probably hang out all the time. Um, I saw actually speaking of cooking, you guys have a Moroccan dish you just posted, right? Yeah. That looks so good. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. just looks so good. Yeah. I th- I think the re- I think the rejuvenation uh, uh, event that you're having is so timely though, and it's so tied into because people from from COVID are just I mean they're. they're they're suffering. Yeah. You know, right. it's not from the disease itself. They're suffering from, because we're social people. We need mm-hmm. to be with people. And, and, you know, like I've seen my mom, you know, twice since, since, since Mar- March and she's 82 <laughs> years old, you know, and, and my dad yeah. had passed four years ago. She's all by herself, yeah. you know? Right. So, yeah. and from a mental health aspect, um, I've been a mental health advocate for many years now mm-hmm. because I'm diagnosed with major depressive disorder and panic disorder and, and, uh, uh, and, uh, generalized anxiety disorder with agoraphobia. You know, so um, fortunately, it's it's treated and I'm functioning. But I, mm-hmm. but I, but I, I, from a very personal standpoint, I really appreciate you guys doing that okay. and helping people and giving them resources and giving them a way to, to to just bolster their strength and everything. So um, my hats off to you, you know, for, for for doing that. I think it's great. And I, and I when I was doing my little my, my stalking research before our, you know before I talked, I saw that rejuvenation. I'm like, we gotta talk about that because yeah. that is like you know that is just awesome, you know. So, um, well, we have talked about so much today that, uh-huh. that and I want and I want to reiterate that we've talked about things. Uh, we've we've you know we've talked about Africa and Spain and we've been all over the world, um, but there are so many beautiful project uh, products here in. Uh, Halisi, Africa. I mean, it's just. I mean, I, I had mentioned earlier. I, um, I don't know if it was when we were recording or not, but it, but it was just. There's so many beautiful things in, in in here, and I think people have got. You know, I haven't even tried the food yet, you know. So I mean, so I'll, I'm going to be back. But there's so many beautiful products here, handmade, colorful, um, and quite frankly, we're in Florida, practical. Right. <laughs> you, right, know? Right. you know. So um, I really encourage people to come out to Railroad Square. Come by the shop, follow you guys on 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 Facebook and and uh, but uh, for for people that are listening and now they're all excited, you know, uh, how do they find you guys? Where are, you know, tell tell everybody where you're at. How do they find you guys? You know, in person, online. How do? All right. All right well, uh, yeah, we are uh, in Railroad Square, one thousand two Commercial Drive, um, not too far from your shop. We're right next to the drum circle, so if you're familiar with that at all, if you're familiar with Rural Square, we're not that hard to find in person. Um, you can uh, visit us online on Instagram, Facebook, and on our website. Um, the website is www.halisiafrica.com. Halisi is spelled H-A-L-I-S-I, um, and then Africa as, it, as it's spelled, right? Um, dot com. You can also find us with that same name on Instagram and Facebook. That's H-A-L-I-S-I, Africa. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys, for, for having me out here today. I hope we can visit again. I'd love to do a, a future podcast with you guys, maybe like feel post-pandemic or something, and we see how things have been. But I encourage everyone to come out and see Bryant and Vanessa at Halisi Africa here in Railroad Square. Um, I feel like there's so much more we could be talking about. Oh, yeah. you know? So, so we're gonna we're gonna end this on a dot dot dot. There is more to come. To be continued. To be continued. Thank <laughs> you so much for all you guys are doing, and 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 I am privileged to be your neighbor. Thank, Thank you, you very much for everything. Thank you for having us. Okay. See ya. What an awesome visit with Bryant and Vanessa at Helisi, Africa. Make sure you stop by and see them at 1002 Commercial Drive in Railroad Square, Tallahassee, or online at helisiafrica.com. That's H-A-L-I-S-I Africa.com. If you want to contact me, you can reach me by email at jimrussellart at gmail.com or on the web at jimrussellart.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>